turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. If you're at home, grab your Bibles as well. Hebrews chapter 11. We continue. This is part five if you're keeping track. You may not be, but I am. Hebrews chapter 11, part five, picking up with where we left off. Obviously, last week we had a topical message from Dr. Tito. We'll be back here in the 23rd verse. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We can put one in your hand. If you're at home, we can't help you there. But you can grab one or look online on your laptop or your smartphone. Find Hebrews 11, starting with verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. I know all you parents think your, your child fits in this passage as well, right? And your children do. And they were not afraid of the king's command. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. Let's pray. Father, again, we need the work of your Spirit. Your Word is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. But I need your help. I need your strength. Lord, I can't preach your Word without your help. I, Lord, remove me once again that me and your people would hear from Jesus. Lord, we need your peace, your presence, your life-changing power. Lord, may your Word do what only you can do through it by your Spirit. Open our ears, soften our hearts. May we be not only hearers, but doers of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Five times in seven verses, we see two words. Did you catch them? By faith. By faith. Following the same pattern of the six prior verses related to the four patriarchs of Israel that we read about. And indeed, Moses followed their pattern of faith and will be the very man that will bring the bones of Jacob out of Egypt according to the instructions back in verse 22. If you look back at verse 22, Jake, Joseph said, hey, make sure you bring my bones. Moses is going to do that. That of course, um, If by God's grace the patriarchs laid the foundation of Israel, Moses in his life is used by God to build out the walls and put on the roof. Does that make sense? The patriarchs laid the foundation. Moses is going to build up the walls. He's going to put on the roof of the house. Moses is mentioned nearly 800 times in the Bible. Do you know that? He's mentioned nearly 800 times in the Bible. He's mentioned in 31 books of the Bible, almost half, there's 66 books of the Bible, along with Abraham and David. They're mentioned in 27 and 28 books of the Bible. He's a giant among biblical giants. Would you guys agree that Moses is a giant of the faith? Of course he is. Now that, of course, wasn't Moses' goal. Nor was it Abraham's or David's goal, for that matter. As God doesn't use people with big egos or personal agendas, if you have either, you need to lay them aside. No, Moses was a humble man. A humble man. I love this passage, don't you? Now, Mo now the man Moses was very humble, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. Well, this is the opposite of today's politicians, isn't it? Now, the man fill in the blank was an arrogant man. It's almost a, a competition. Who can be the most arrogant? Now, Pharaoh was the most arrogant of his day. Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth at that time. And living by faith will humble us, won't it? 
Huh. If you haven't lived by faith, you haven't been humbled. You haven't been humbled, you haven't lived by faith. Living by faith will humble you. It's meant to humble us. While greatly increasing our trust in God. In other words, the more we rely on God, the less we seek a reputation. The less we rely on our own ability. The older I get, I realize, Lord, I have no abilities, none, except the ability to mess things up. That I have really good ability in. So do you. Faith is the opposite of the pride of life. Did you know that? Faith is the opposite of the pride of life. The world is full of pride, and God says, I want you to have faith. And humility and faith go hand in hand. If you're taking notes this morning, you've seen the title of our message, Stages of Faith, Learning from the Life of Moses. All of, all of us have stages to our lives, don't we? Mine is like chapters. I can look at it. Some of the chapters are pretty hard to get through. We have stages, stages that are new, stages that are daunting, stages that are unfamiliar to us. And in parallel to these stages is the continuous common obstacles of our faith coming from where? Coming from Satan and the world and our own flesh. Satan the world, our own flesh. Those are our obstacles. Those never change. They'll be the same obstacles. They're just painted with different signs. Jesus referenced these obstacles in the parable of the sower. He mentioned tribulations, also known as trials, and persecution for the word's sake, or, in other words, put it this way, opposition to you following God. Satan will oppose you following God. And then he mentioned the temptation of riches. Oh, if I just had that beach house that I just saw on Island Life. If I just had, a, had the car my neighbor just got. If I just had that outfit. Temptations, or the pursuit of them. The temptation of riches, that is. And he mentioned this, the nonstop cares of the world. I can't find any time to read my Bible because Netflix is getting in the way. They couldn't blame Netflix in 1700s, could they? I can't find any time to read the Bible because my sports team is just devouring my life. Although that's kind of changing right now, right? There is no sports. I'm watching like throwbacks in 1985 and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> Hey, it's Muhammad Ali and George Frazier on TV. Yes, it's great. You know, that's what my dad was talking about. You know? <laughs> so, no, but um, Moses overcame all these obstacles, didn't he? And we can, and we must as well. Let's just look at two things here this morning from the text. The first one: faith to observe and follow. Everyone needs to see somebody else live by faith. Now, if we didn't have anyone else, we have who? Jesus. He lived a life of faith, fully committed to the Father. But the birth of Moses is recorded back in Exodus chapter 2. We don't have time to turn there. You can look it up yourself, Exodus chapter 2. And aside from the birth of Christ, it's arguably the most prominent given the timing and circumstances around his birth. Wouldn't you agree that the birth of Moses is pretty significant and unique in all the scriptures? And the journey of Moses' life of faith began first with his parents. They're mentioned by name in the sixth chapter of Exodus, Amram of the tribe of Levi and Jochebed, his wife. A great name if you're looking for a daughter's name, Jochebed. It's still available, folks. I've not yet met a parent that has named their daughter Jochebed, but it's out there, and it's, and it's a good one. I've heard Levi. I've heard people do that. I've heard people, I haven't heard Amram either, come to think about it. That's also available if you, uh, if you have a son coming. A couple of good names there. But nearly four centuries before Moses was born, Jacob's son Joseph became Second in power to Pharaoh. Remember, Joseph gets sold into slavery. He rises to second in power to Pharaoh. Jacob and his sons and the entire family, they move from Canaan down to Egypt because of a famine. 
And they're given the land of what? Goshen. They're given the land of Goshen, which is this really beautiful part of Egypt. But times have changed since then by the time Moses comes along. By the time Moses comes along, the family of Jacob had become a nation now living inside a nation. They had exploded. They had seen a population explosion from the sons of Jacob. These 12 sons that would become the 12 tribes had become a nation living inside a nation. And the new Pharaoh, generations after Joseph, saw Israel as a threat to the Egyptian empire. He was driven by fear and pride. Fear and pride. You don't want to be led, brother and sister, by fear and pride. You become a really dangerous person to other people when you're led by fear and pride. And we see this in our country today and a lot of the division led by fear and pride. So this new Pharaoh saw them as a threat. And the Israelites, he then enslaved them. Slavery's not new, folks. This was, goes back thousands of years, and people have perpetrated slavery on each other for many years, and that's why sin needs to be dealt with. Because when sin is there, all kinds of atrocities happen. So he began to enslave the people of Israel. And they became the primary slave labor force of Egypt's building program. Matter of fact, when you see a lot of what Egypt built, slaves built a lot of that. Not just uh, Hebrew slaves, there was other slaves in Egypt, but, but they were the primary group because they were the largest ethnicity, if you will, in ancient Egypt. Now just before Moses was born, an edict was given to cast all the male Hebrew babies into the Nile. I know that you, sometimes we just think of these as Bible stories, but try and put yourself there. You think being told to wear a mask is a big deal. And again, like, I believe that wearing one is, is good in a lot of places. There's places where I will wear it, no problem at all. But imagine if you were told to throw your newborn baby boy into the James River. Not told to, hey, do it if you, or you think it's okay. You do it or else. And that was the edict that was given. Talk about heart pounding. Every parent, every, Egypt, uh, every Hebrew parent, like, what do we do? Those of you that are mothers, the first thing you want to do when your baby's born, you want that baby right there to hold, right? You don't say, hey, take this baby and go toss it into the Nile. But that was the edict that was given. But the parents of Moses, it says here, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents, verse 23, because they saw he was a beautiful child. They were not afraid of the king's command. But the parents of Moses had faith that God had a plan of life, not death, a plan of life and salvation for their son. They believed that. They didn't know what it was, but they believe God has a plan for our son. The name Moses means out of water. Did you know that? Out of water. The opposite of Pharaoh's evil plan was God's plan. The complete opposite. Remember that Egypt and the bondage of Egypt is a type of the world. By the way, there's lots of types in the Bible. God loves the Egyptian people. Did you know even in the, the millennium reign, God has a special place for Egypt? Because actually Egypt did some good things for the Hebrew people at different, like Joseph. When Jesus himself escaped, where did him and Joseph and Mary escape to? Egypt. Egypt is where the Septuagint Greek scriptures were translated. So God has a special place for Egypt. But on the other hand, it's also a type of the world. Did you know that also Jerusalem in its apostate state, is called Sodom. Sometimes Jerusalem is called Sodom. Egypt is a type of the world. So don't, don't think of is it Egyptian people or Egyptian culture. No. At that time, Egypt was a nation that worshipped many gods. The sun god, the river god, all these things. But they didn't worship the true and living god. And they also were a nation that was affluent, Lots of riches, lots of gold. And so their affections were for false gods and material wealth. Sound familiar? Ours are sports, celebrities, our careers, our houses, better cars, a 
Affluence, we worship these things. Same thing. But Egypt was a type of the world. And the slavery was a type of what? Bondage was a picture of that when you are in the world and not yet set free, you're still in bondage. Parents, the world and the God of this world, Satan, has a plan, a spiritual death for your kids. Did you know that? Satan has a plan of spiritual death for your children. God has called you to exercise. I'm talking to the parents for a second here. We say, my kids are grown. You're still a parent. You're still alive. Or you wouldn't be listening right now. Grandparents, you too. God has called you to exercise faith in the face of a world opposed to the plan of God. Now, both Exodus and here in Hebrews 11 tell us that Moses was a beautiful child. Some of you were beautiful children, weren't you? I've seen some of your baby pictures. But the Hebrew word, tob, and uh, it probably more accurately is translated goodly, which some of your translations may even say, your, some of your translations may actually say goodly there instead of beautiful. It means good or better, pleasant, excellent, prosperity. But what's being portrayed is there was something special about Moses and his parents were able to immediately see it. I believe this was the direct work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave them insight or vision, says this child is going to come out of water. He's in a little ark, just like Noah's ark. He's going to rise to the top. And God's like, he's going to have a special plan. Do not listen to Pharaoh's edict at all. that God had a better or more excellent plan for Moses' life, was immediately dropped into their spirit, if you will. They could see, they're seeing with physical eyes, but what they're really seeing with is what? Spiritual eyes. The Jewish historian Josephus wrote that the traditions maintained that Moses' parents received specific revelation from God that Moses had the destiny of a great leader. That's what Josephus wrote. It was passed down through the generations that his parents were told, this man is destined for great leadership for the Lord. What exactly they knew, we don't really know. Again, even Josephus' writings, again, he wasn't there. He's passing along the traditions. But exactly what they knew, we don't know. But uh, the assurance that you get from God, the more assurance you get from God, the more it strengthens your faith. Do you agree with that? the more assured you are of God. If you are positive, God says, I want you to go and speak to this person and share the gospel. If you know God told you to do it, it strengthens your faith to do it. If you think it's your idea, you're not so sure, right? But if his parents got from God, I assure you, he is destined for greatness. Well then, if he's destined for greatness, then he can't die in the river, right? So, remember, that was why Abraham, previous study, week before last, that's why Abraham felt so confident when he laid Isaac on the altar, right? He said, hold on, he said, God said through his seed, well, Isaac hadn't had kids yet. So he immediately concluded, even if Isaac dies, he's going to be raised from the dead right here. He was, in other words, God's word gave him confidence. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the what? Word of God. The more you believe God's word, the more your confidence will grow, not in yourself, but in what God has said. So God had already said, through Isaac's seed, a nation would be born. Abraham said he has to come forth. The starting point of faith is always us believing in God. Amen? The starting point of faith is always us believing in God. And even if Moses' parents had no revelation, the fact that God gave them a son was reason enough to exercise faith and to protect their son. Most of you know the rest of the story. Moses is hidden three months, then placed into the Nile in a little, a little basket. He's placed into the Nile, found by Pharaoh's daughter, who then hires and pays Moses' mother who placed him in the Nile. A quadruple bonus, if you will. Think about it. 
They avoid Pharaoh's certain death sentence. They save their son's life. They get paid for doing this. And they get to instill their faith in the living God, in their son, before he goes to live in Pharaoh's godless house in the palace there. You can imagine the impact on Moses when he learned, as he became older, when he learned what his parents did to save his life. You can imagine he's going to know the power of Pharaoh live in the house. When he learns, wow, my parents took that step of faith to save my little life. When he sees how God used their courage, their testimony reinforced their teaching. Are you listening, parents? Your testimony reinforces your teaching. If you have no testimony along with your teaching, your teaching will fall on deaf ears. Their testimony reinforced their teaching. Warren Wearsby said, a home should be the first school of faith for a child. should be the first school of faith for a child. Don't miss the point that Moses' parents passed their faith rather than their fear to Moses. Did you hear that? They passed their faith to him rather than their fear. We all have fear. We all have fears. But which one are you going to pass on to your kids? You're going to pass on your faith or your fears? Sometimes you've got to like zip your lips about your fears so you don't pass that on to your kids. Instead, you pass on your faith. And they see it. Proverbs 22, 6, you know the passage well. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. It's a principle that God gives us. We can't train, though, what we're not living. Moses' parents lived out faith. Lived out faith. They didn't just talk about, hey, you know what? You should exercise faith. We don't, but you should. Other families do, but we don't here. No, no, they trained it so they could demonstrate it and pass it. Ephesians 6, 4, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the, what? Training and admonition of the Lord. We're not to live lives of hypocrisy or neglect that provoke our kids to choose the world, which ultimately, ultimately brings the what? Wrath of God. Provoking them to wrath is provoking them to say, hey, this whole thing you believe in, you really don't believe in, so I'm going to go after the world. But the more they see you believe it, like Moses saw in his parents, the more they'll say, no, 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 I need to follow the true and living God. But train them with words of faith and lives of faith, a blueprint to follow, if you will. And we see that with Moses. When he became old enough, it says by faith in verse 24, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. When he became old enough to choose for himself God or the good life of Egypt, what did he choose? He had a choice now. Joseph was given the same choice when he was raised up out of prison. Hey, Potiphar, you know, raised out of slavery. First out of slavery, hey, Potiphar's wife says, I can have anything I want here, including her. But he chose God. And now Moses is given the same choice. What, what will I choose? Will I choose the Lord? And we see that he does. He chooses wisely. He chooses eternally. Isn't that what we desperately want our kids to choose, brother and sister? You know that they're, they're going to have a choice someday. They're having a choice every hour, every minute. God is bringing them to the place of that valley decision. What will they choose? Who will they choose? I've said it many times, but Satan also has an orchestrated plan for your kids. And one for you too, even if you're an adult. He, he doesn't stop uh, trying to drag us back. It's broadcast around us 24-7 in the media and the magazines and the newsstands and we see it. But look at Moses' choice again. He refused. He resisted the, the heavy gravitational pull of the world. And by the way, it's evident that he had processed what his parents and the God of his fathers believed in, that he had processed it, he had thought it through, and what contemporary Egypt believed in. Look at the contrast. 
choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than joy, verse 25, the passing pleasures of sin. He had to weigh difficulty versus the passing pleasures of sin. Sin can be fun for a season. Anyone that's ever had sinful moments, you, you know, when you weren't thinking about it, hey, this is awesome until it comes time to pay the fare, right? And the bill is way, way bigger than the experience. But sin, which includes pride and idolatry and immoral living, basically living for oneself and immediate gratification. Immediate gratification. I want what my flesh craves. Still true, isn't it? Sin destroys lives, doesn't it? Sin destroys lives. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. The first words there, do not be deceived. Satan's always deceiving people. Hey, hey you can live any way you want. Do whatever you want. Choose any form of lifestyle you want. Treat anybody any, any way you want. Think anything you want. Do anything you want. And God says, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. I rule the heaven and earth. You can do that, but you'll still answer the Lord. Whatever you sow, that you also reap. Moses concluded that all those that went before him, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, even further back, Noah, Enoch, he concluded, I'm going to see those men in eternity if I follow their footsteps. Isn't that great to know? We've talked about this. You will someday sit down with Abraham and Moses and just ask them about their life. You'll be able to talk with them, learn about how things really were. You'll realize how off the History Channel was when you talk to them. You're like, how did they get this? How did Nat Geo get this so wrong? They'll be laughing. That's not how Egypt was. We were there. Not how it was at all. But you'll have that opportunity. And he looked and he said, they chose correctly, and he followed that choice, he surmised that even affliction and suffering, which is not exactly fun. Can I get an amen? Yes. Affliction and suffering, which is not exactly fun, with the people of God, it far outweighed, here's the word, temporary. Are you living for temporary or eternal? Temporary. You know how long a popsicle is enjoyed in a 110 degree heat index? Not long at all. You know, but kids, they will... You ever see them throw a temper tantrum, they temper tantrum because they did not get a popsicle? You would think the world had come to an end. This thing that will be melted in literally like 35 seconds. But adults are the same way about their sin, aren't they? Temporary happiness and pleasures. Have we come to the same faith and trust that Moses has come to, which directly connects to our second observation our only second, our last one of the day, if you're looking, if you're taking notes, faith to endure and impart. Endurance is hard, isn't it? Yes. We move on with the text. He said, I, I, I'm not going to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming, verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the, uh, greater than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward by faith. Verse 27, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Verse 28, by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Spiritual endurance and the call of righteous living is fully dependent upon what we really believe in. Speaking to you online as well and make sure that everyone's paying attention. Listen to what the Lord is saying. Moses, he fully believed what God told him, not what Egypt sold him. Let me say that again. Moses fully believed what God told him, not what Egypt sold him. How about us? The enemy's trying to sell you something right now, whether you realize it or not. The enemy's trying to sell you something. He'll even 
Jesus said it this way, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What kind of sale transaction is that? That you say, hey, I'll give my soul for this life of sin for eternity in hell. And say, well, I'm saved now. Is he still trying to sell me something? Yes. He's trying to sell you apathy. He's trying to sell you keep quiet about the gospel. He's trying to sell you just, just, just dip your toe in following Jesus. Don't get too serious about it. People will think you're really, really some kind of freak. Right? The enemy in this fallen world has for centuries been marketing the same lies and the same manipulation, not only to those still unaware of the gospel, but those who know it and believe it to be true. And many, many Christians believe, hey, I believe all this stuff, but they're still not following like Amram, Jochebed, Moses. Listen closely. If you're in darkness, Satan wants to keep you there. If you're in darkness, that's his number one goal is to keep you in your lane of darkness. If you have some light, and maybe even now walking in the light, he wants to put out the light. That's his goal. If you're in darkness, stay there. If you're in light, put out the light. If the Spirit is in you, he can't do that, and yet he still tries to do that. Isn't that great to know? If the Spirit is in you, he can't put out the light, and yet he still tries to put out the light. And that's where genuine faith is proven in the face of temptation or the testing by fire. Uh, there's no avoiding temptation and testing and trials and opposition, they're going to come, especially once you name the name of Jesus. You name the name of Jesus, you get the forces of hell coming against you. Not just Moses, us too. And that's where, uh, if we look back, we're not perfect, but Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Joseph, they weren't perfect men. Lives we've looked at in recent weeks. But they all passed what? They passed the temptation trials. They passed the trials and exams that God allowed in their lives. You might be right now, you feel like you're in a final exam from God right now in your life. Say, so when will this finals exam end? Maybe you're in one right now. But they passed. And God, ref and each of them refused to leave the path of God. If you're saved, Satan wants to get you off. You've read, some of you have read Pilgrim's Progress. He uses all these, the circus, all these different things to get you off the path of God. But these men refuse to leave the path. They stumbled on the path. How many of you stumbled on the path a few times? I mean, you've skinned your knees on both sides. When I was a kid in the 70s, the way we, the way we repaired pants, you slap a patch on this knee and a patch on that knee. It was not fashionable. Or, or today, parents like, oh, we got to get them back to Old Navy, back to the cat. You know, not then. Par parents would slap this thing on both knees and get back out there and play. If you have stumbled, it's not death or the end of your Christian walk. You get back up. God repatches your pants, if you will, and gets you moving again. But the enemy wants us to leave the path, not just get patched up and stay on the path. He wants you off the path altogether. And don't forget, if Satan tempted Jesus, you better believe he'll go after you. Right? 40 days, 40 nights, and then even after that said, and he looked for another opportune time. So it wasn't the, that wasn't the end of the testing. That was just the start of it all. If he tempted Jesus, he'll go after you. And he knows, Satan knows how weak and easily our flesh can be moved. You know he's been watching human behavior for a long time. Right, right, right. I, 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 Satan is actually more intelligent than all of the world's minds combined. He's behind it all. Data centers, he, he, can, he can reference everything in human history. He knows how weak and easily our flesh can be moved. He has a whole world system at his disposal. That's why he said to Jesus, I'll give you this empire, I'll give you that empire. But he also knows this. He knows the Holy Spirit will not forsake you. He knows that. 
He's seen Peter come through. He's seen Moses come through. He knows the truth. He twists the scriptures. He tests to see if you know and you believe it. Do you know that? He tests to see, does Moses really believe it? Yeah, Amram and Jochebed did, but does Moses believe it? He'll test. But back to the faith of Moses and what anchored his faith in verse 26. You see it there. It says, esteeming the riches of, I'm sorry, esteeming the reproach of Christ rather than the riches. Esteeming the reproach rather. Long before the Messiah was born in Bethlehem, Moses' faith and his trust was in the promise of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Moses, Jesus wasn't alive then, and it says that Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ. It doesn't say the reproach of Abraham. It says the reproach of Christ, long before Jesus came. You know the saying, when the sun rises, all lesser lights go dim? It's true. Eyes on Jesus, faith in Jesus, puts life in perspective and makes the buffeting, the reproaches of Christ, it makes the buffeting worth it. Moses looked to the reward. He looked forward to the reward. Your flesh and the enemy will whisper, the enemy and your own flesh, you don't even need Satan. You know, the devil made me do it is not always true. And matter of fact, most times it's not true. It's you made you do it. But the enemy or your own flesh will whisper, Live your life to reward yourself. Live your life to reward yourself. You deserve it. You deserve way more than you're even currently rewarding yourself. Just lavish yourself. You deserve awesomeness all the time. While Jesus says, live for me and I'll richly reward you later. Later. We're either going to believe one or the other, right? We're either going to believe Jesus or we'll believe the enemy whispering in our ear or our own flesh. Now, the same faith that keeps us from diving into the world's definition of life and fun, the same enemy, or I'm sorry, the same faith anyway, the same faith that keeps us from diving into life and fun also gives us the courage and the resolve to say no to the world's intimidation and no to fear. Isn't that great? The same, in other words, the same faith that says, I can say no to the stuff and the pleasures. Also, I can resist the fear that Satan tries to. Because if he can't tempt you, he'll try and scare you. One or the other. I dangle this. Oh, that didn't work. Now I will send persecution. I'll send attacks. I'll send things against your mind. By the way, initially Moses had an easier time saying no to the riches and fame than to facing Pharaoh. Remember, he, he ran for his life, but God recalled him, recommissioned him, if you will, right? He ran for his life to Midian, but God built him up and sent him back. He never left the path. He was just crawling on the path. You ever been there? You didn't leave the path, but you were like, Passed out on the path. You're still on the path, thankfully, but you are literally passed out on the path, and God has to come and like pour water on you and revive you on the path. Praise God, you didn't leave the path. It would be better to pass out on the path and be revived and stay on the path than be way off the path. Amen? I've passed out on the path a bunch of times. Exhausted, fatigued, afraid, and that's where Moses was. But God, and then God says, you know, it's time to use you. Uh, have you heard my tongue? I don't want to lose my neck going to Pharaoh. This would be frightening. Can you imagine going to, God sends you to speak to the, uh, what, is it? what is his title? But anyway, the head of China, Xi Jinping. Tell him, you better repent. You're like, I kind of like not living in a concentration camp, right? Right, right? But this is what Moses was called to do. It was easier to say no to riches than it was to say, okay, I'll go and talk to him. John the Baptist tried this, and he lost his head for it. Yeah. He told Herod, you can't have that wife. 
after Jeff, you know, Herod liked to listen to him for a little while, but it wasn't that much later that he loses his head over it. Paul lost it in the face of the Caesars in Rome. But Moses finds the courage. You see, the pharaohs, he could see them. It says, it says here, not fearing the wrath, verse 27, not fearing the wrath of the king, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. The pharaohs he could see. God, of course, is spirit. God is invisible. The pharaohs enslave people and enrich themselves. God, on the other hand, sets captives free. Who are you going to fear? He's a God of mercy, of grace, of compassion. Remember, he told Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. Look at what he said. This is exactly what God says to Moses from the burning bush. I have surely seen the oppression of my people in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their what? Sorrows. God hears your sorrows. So I've come down to, here it is, deliver them. God is a deliverer. Satan is an enslaver. He uses wicked men in this world to enslave and intimidate and cause people great fear. God says, the Son has set you free. You are free indeed. I've come to set you free from these things. So again, who are we going to trust? This world that uses and abuses people? Or God who so loved the world that he gave his Son? And who will we fear? God who has unlimited and eternal power? Or Satan in this world that has a limited and temporary power? Temporary again. Sin is fun for temporary. The world's power is temporary. Jesus is eternal. Everything. It's knowledge and trust of God's love and character that can calm our fears. Let me say that again. It's the knowledge and trust of God's love that can calm our fears. It can even not just calm our fears, it can make us bold. Remember my message on Father's Day, the lions? They're not afraid of a big hippo. It gives you a boldness. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. If you want to deal with fear, get more of the love of Jesus in you. Get more of the love of Jesus in you. you got to, where do I get that? John 15, abide in him. Let his word abide in you. I was just reading this morning. Um, well, I had actually put in my notes, uh, and then I read it again this morning. It almost frames the same way, but it's been well said that we will either fear God or we'll fear everything else. And just to reinforce that, I was reading Spurgeon's checkbook of faith this morning. He says, let us fear the Lord that we should have, that, and we shall have no one else to fear. Let us fear the Lord and we shall have no one else to fear. And God just kind of reinforcing that. The more we fear the Lord, it drives all the other fears out. And we're able to take these steps that Moses uh, took. But it's faith. It's a firm belief in the goodness of God, the authority of God, the power of God, the perfect love of God that produces obedience to God in the face of unknowns and personal loss. Unknowns and personal We all have unknowns and we all have personal loss. So when Moses was given the completely unfamiliar commands and requirements of the Passover, he saw, he said, all right, Lord, I don't, know, I don't know what, I don't know how, you've never done this before, but we'll put blood here, we'll put blood here, knowing, or not knowing then, but we now know today that this was showing us a foreshadow, a foretaste of the blood of Jesus. But Moses, he does all that, and it saves thousands of lives. You don't have to ask God why he does what he does. Just say, yes, Lord, I will do that. Amen. God doesn't owe us an explanation on things. If he says, put blood on the doorpost, just do it. He can be trusted. We can't. And so he does this. 
and lives are saved, and the chains fall off. Thousands upon thousands of Israelites, chains fall off. Brother and sister, when you and I start just obeying God, chains are going to fall off of people. And it'll start with you and me. At the same time, he's doing this. He's pointing that coming blood of Jesus is going to do the same thing for souls. Let's close with verse 29. As we wrap it up here, verse 29. The last time we see in this text from verses 23 through 27, the fifth time we see these same two words, by faith. But look what it says. By faith, they passed. Here's a beautiful change in focus. The first four times in verses 23 through 28, it reads, by faith, Moses. By faith, Moses. By faith, he. By faith, he. Verse 29, by faith, they. Isn't that awesome? Moses, 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 they. What's this telling us? When people see the fruit of faith in your life, when they see your endurance, they see your growing trust in God, disciples are made. Disciples are made. We becomes they. I mean, uh, me becomes they. Me becomes we. You'll have something to impart. Like Moses followed his parents, the people followed him. Paul said, follow me while I follow Christ. Paul had something to impart. Moses had something to impart. And people said, you know, just like Moses did the same thing, he said, Amram and Jochebed, I'm going to follow. They passed. Are you passing on faith? Are you passing on fear? Are you passing on faith? Are you passing on just a fascination with this world? I pray that we continue to look at the examples God's given us. Back in the 10th chapter, it says this. We'll close with this last verse. Same, same book of Hebrews. For you have need of endurance. We need endurance. But where does that endurance come from? Abiding in, trusting in, and believing in what God has said. And what he said to Moses is same truth for us today. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we just so, we so thank you for the steadfast truth of your word. It never fails. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. And Lord, we can cling to the fact that you brought Moses through many trials. His parents, you rewarded their faith. The patriarchs before, Enoch, Noah, Lord, you are the God, same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, what you did for the saints of old, you will do for us. Lord, forgive us of our lack of faith. Forgive us, Lord, where we've been looking over the fence at the things of this world and, and sometimes sighing with some sort of, oh, they have it so good. Lord, help us to esteem the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of America, greater than the riches of this world. And Lord, we know that you'll be faithful to give us the peace that surpasses all human understanding. You'll give us, Lord and increasing faith that drives out fear as we abide in the richness of your love. Hey, with our heads bowed for just a moment before the worship team plays, I just want to ask, and I'm speaking again to those that are online as well. Um, as I mentioned in the message, the one thing Satan wants to do if you're in darkness is to keep you there. He wants you to stay there, the Bible says that we, the reason why it means darkness is we are dead in our trespass and sin. Only God can send light from the Holy Spirit to open our eyes. When I did this 25 years ago, I was dead in my trespass and sin. But that morning, that morning of June 7, 1995, God opened my eyes and I had enough light to say, wow, I really will spend eternity in hell if I don't say yes to Jesus. And as Jesus said there in the book of John, do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the way, the truth, and the life? Do you believe that I am the resurrection? Moses was long before the time of Christ, but it said he looked to Christ. And the point is that every saint can only come to saving faith through Christ. It didn't matter if it was Moses, Abraham, Peter, Paul, or any of the rest of us. And I just want to speak to those of you that may still be in darkness and say, you know, I, I still don't have 
the peace of salvation. I still know if I were to die of the coronavirus, if I were to die of cancer, if I were to die of heart disease, whatever it may be, I'm not ready to meet God face to face because the Bible says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. And there's a day appointed unto us, all of us, to die. And then comes, the Bible says, the judgment, a given a reckoning of our life. And I'm ready for that day. How about you? I am now ready. If Jesus calls me home, I'm not going to get a perfect report card, but I will hear, welcome home, good and faithful servant. It won't be a perfect report card, but I'll have a perfect salvation because Jesus' blood, it talks about the sprinkling of the blood in the same chapter. And so I'm just speaking to those of you, if there's anyone here and you say, I, today I'm not going to put it off any longer. I'm going to step out of darkness into light. Why don't you stand right where you're at? We had someone do this a couple weeks ago. If you're at home, stand in your living room. If you're driving, don't stand. Just pull over if you're listening. Because I was watching, driving the other day. Anyone at all, just stand right where you're at. I want to pray with you. God wants to receive you into the kingdom of God. And so I can't see who's online. I'm going to pray. And if you have decided to do that, send us a note at questions at calvarychapelrva.com. We want to be able to uh, really reach out and minister and help you grow in your faith. But I'm going to pray this simple prayer. And it, uh, By the way, a sinner's prayer doesn't save you. You have to repent in your heart. You can say a thousand sinner's prayer and still go to hell. It has to be a real repentance of the heart. But I'm going to pray. And if anyone wants to stand, even though I'm praying, don't let the enemy deceive you. Eternity is far more important than what your friends think or anybody else thinks. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for revealing salvation through the gospel, through your perfect life, through your preaching, through your teaching. Thank you for giving your life on the cross, shedding your perfect blood. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for conquering sin, death, and Satan when you rose from the grave. And Lord, I believe that you are the way, the truth, the life, and that I cannot come to the Father but by you. And I ask you to cleanse me, forgive me of all my sins, all of my trespasses, all of my rebellion. Wash me, purify me, fill me and seal me with your Holy Spirit. For I've decided this day to follow you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. If anyone's done that online and, and those that just stood up just now, God will be faithful to do a new work in your life, amen.